right? And what we did was we said, well, hang on, why don't we start from scratch and build a platform? We call it a retail operations platform that is built for purpose for one sector and is not customizable. In other words, you can't go in there and write scripts on it. You can obviously use an API for our Welcome to the e-commerce momentum podcast, where we focus on the people, the products, and the process of e-commerce selling today. Here's your host, Stephen Peterson. Hey, wanted to take a second and talk about Gay Lisby and Gary Ray's Amazon Seller Tribe and their daily lists that are put out. Um, and incredible stories that you can read if you go out and check out uh, amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum hyphen arbitrage. I know that's a lot to put in there. Amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum dash arbitron. And you're going to get 14 day free trial. No money risk, no, no challenges. You don't want it when you're done, you get out. But imagine getting a list, um, as Craig fellows like to call it mailbox money. I love that term mailbox money. It's where you can work from your house, buy things online, have them delivered to you and then sell them on uh, various marketplaces. But imagine you can have somebody else do that for you. So you want to buy time, you want to control uh, what they're buying. Well, you take these lists and you can join multiple lists if you're interested. And then you can segregate them for the merchandise you want and send them to them. They can make purchases for you on your behalf, have it delivered to you or delivered to them for prep. Boom, sent into these marketplaces and you can sell. How about that? Wouldn't that be awesome? I spoke at their conference and there were so many million dollar sellers just using online arbitrage. It's still available. And again, 14 days. The only way you're going to get 14 day free trials if you come through my link. Um, it is an affiliate link. Um, they do pay me, so I don't want to mislead you in any way. Um, I would appreciate it, but I'd like to see you try the 14 days. I've had so many people that have joined, have so much success. It's very exciting to me and you know, quite humbling to me. Um, that they trust me to recommend this group, and I 100% recommend this group. I've seen the results. These are great people that will also teach you to fish. This isn't just a, hey, here's the list, you're on your own. No, this is, hey, here's why that wasn't a good deal, or here, hey, there's another opportunity. And you get to join their groups, and it's just a phenomenal group of people, um, just great, great uh, leaders in that group, and these lists are phenomenal. So again, it's amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum hyphen arbitrage amazingfreedom.com forward slash momentum hyphen arbitrage. Use that. Get two weeks free. Try it. You don't like it? Drop out. But give it a shot if you want to add that to your business. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. This is episode 405, Derek O'Carroll. Um, yeah, I get a little giddy in this episode because we talk accounting terms and inventory management and it gets me excited. Um, it gets me excited for A, because I'm a nerd on that stuff, but B, it is a place where a lot of companies struggle. As you scale to size and you start managing thousands of SKUs, and we do, it gets hard to manage. And I'm not saying we're perfect at it, so this isn't me preaching to anybody. What it is is uh, Derek offers some solutions for free on ways to um, really look at your processes and then find out where you are and then find the gaps, right? Find that delta. I always use that term. Find the gaps, the things that are wrong, and then you can address them. Don't fix everything. Fix the things that are wrong. And uh, their company does offer solutions for larger companies, a million dollars in sales, so not, not terribly large. But when you get to that, it gets to be a challenge. When you start handling hundreds of SKUs 
or thousands of SKUs, you're in, you can get in trouble. And so by finding a method that will help you get that cost of goods figured out, I think it's a very powerful, and it's not as crushing as some of the other companies out there doing it. You guys, if you've ever investigated some of those, you can't get off their phone list, and we all know who that is, um, that's crushing. That'll crush you, especially as you're spending more in advertising like we are. Um, you have to reduce your other costs, and so this is a great opportunity. Um, very smart guy. Let's get into the podcast. Welcome back to the e-commerce momentum podcast. Very excited about today's guest from across the pond, Derek O'Carroll. Uh, Derek ha- runs a company, owns a company, CEO of Bright Pearl, and he's going to talk to us about inventory, uh, omni-channel sales, which we all know is the thing. No, you don't sell on Amazon, you don't sell on eBay, you don't sell on Walmart, you sell on everywhere. And he's going to talk to us about best practices and ways to reduce uh, touch, I call them touch points, um, and a whole bunch more. Welcome, Derek. Oh, thanks very much, Stephen. Pleasure to be with you today. Thank you for coming. Uh, he's fresh from a vacation, and I'm fresh going on a vacation. So one of us is on edge. Take a, take a guess which one it is. <laughs> two weeks, though. See, you know, let's just start there for a second. What did it take for you to be able to get a team to allow you to take two weeks? I mean, you know, that that says something that this doesn't happen without intention well that's a great question i think there's a couple of things that you need in the mix to be able to to do that so first is you got to have a company strategy that the team are behind and believe in but most importantly that they can translate that to um a level of zero ambiguity about what they do on an hourly basis to be able to play their part in the team hitting the goal and the company strategy and uh, since I joined Bright Pearl in the last, you know, I joined uh, just over three years ago, we've been very focused on that. What are the jobs of work that our customers need to hire us to do on their behalf that give them more time to focus on the important things in life? So to answer your question, I've, in those three years, it got to the point probably about a year ago that the strategy became very clear. Whenever I walked around the office and said, what do you think our strategy is? I would start to get the same consistent answer back. But then most importantly, when we had a, an event with the staff and the team, and I'd meet their spouses, their wives or their husbands, they also understood what the company strategy was, which was great for me to hear. But also the validation was they knew how they were being successful themselves and what they needed to do um, as a family and as a spouse. Because as we all know, in today's busy world, you, there's always someone behind you, you know, giving you that support and, and egging you along and giving you advice. And. And that's essentially the, the, the environment and the culture that we were aiming for. Um, and yeah, so that's essentially allowed me to go away. Two weeks is, 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 a, good, is a good time. And I, Two I know weeks. you said earlier on. Wow. Yeah, you, you know, but I'm, 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 I, you said I'm over the pond, but I'm, you know, I'm two weeks in Austin, Texas, and I'm two weeks in, um, in the UK every month. So I'm back and forth. So, you know, I think I deserved it. Okay. All right. Well, that's pretty impressive. Uh, um, I'm going to get eight days, which is pretty impressive. I'm in my world. That's probably one of my longer vacays. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. You know, the other thing I was thinking about is, and I know, well, I guess I can say for both markets, I know what Austin's market is. It's the hot market. It's the hottest place for tech in the U.S. by far. Yeah. How about, uh, I don't know where in the U.K. you are, but Finding and keeping those, because you were just talking about employees' spouses, right? And I always say that when, when you can build uh, uh, that employee up in front of their spouse and they, they get a little taller, they stand a little more proud, you know, it's a very, very 
a great way to you know build up employees. How hard is the market in those markets? I know Austin's market's hot to keep those good people. So you, I mean, I, I get that you taught them the or you helped them understand where you're going. But how hard is it to keep those people? Well, it, it's it's really hard. So. Um, and firstly, when I joined, Bright Pearl's U.S. operations was based in San Francisco. Oh. And uh, I uh, made a decision based on timeline, you know, time zone. Um, but also when I went and hung out with the people who worked with us back then, they lived in shoeboxes. You know, the quality of life wasn't that high. And we are an inside sales driven organization on the go to market side. So it really made no sense to me to be in San Francisco, which is, as we know, is quite expensive. And then I, I just basically went and did a recce across other countries in the States. And I looked for partnership, time zone and cost and then skills availability, which is best influenced by um, the community of tech. And I looked at Colorado. I looked at Detroit and I ended up going to Austin. And when I arrived, um, uh, there was a concert, a festival on that that uh, weekend, which I wasn't aware of. And anyway, Austin just ticked the boxes. But most importantly, it was the skill set that were there. Mm. And net migration to Austin was 150 tech workers per day were moving to Austin, Texas. So that gave me confidence that we'd be able to find the right people in the sphere of e-commerce, which, as you know, is very competitive. And then it's about, you know, making sure, as we said earlier on, but also that the culture is right. It's all about the culture that people have that respect and, and, and have a fun factor and really get excited about helping customers on a daily basis. And that's allowed us to go from, you know, when I moved to Austin, we, we essentially were two people when we moved over to Austin because a lot of people, you know, weren't, weren't on for the transition from San Francisco to Austin. I needed a different skill set. So we rebuilt the business right back up and now we're just under 50 people. Wow. We made that change two, two years ago, 50 people in Austin, Texas. And the U.S. is now about half our business, just over half our business. It's interesting uh, to see uh, in our pre-call, we were talking a little bit about that there's so many options for inventory management, right? As you say, uh. the big players are coming into the market. Um, my experience with that coming from corporate world, when the big players come in, they offer some of the bells and whistles, but usually for the larger, larger scaled players, not the smaller sellers, which I would consider myself and the million dollar sellers in those ranges. Um, they, they, they don't give enough, they don't reduce enough touch points because the corporate still has departments and still has lots of people involved in it. Mm-hmm. What's been your experience with that? So l- larger corporates have, larger uh, merchants have more complex requirements and they gravitate towards the bigger companies like, say, SAP or Microsoft Dynamics or NetSuite because those platforms are very configurable. Or excuse me, they're very customizable. But they're only customizable by using engineers, writing scripts, and giving clients what they want. Sounds expensive. You, it's very expensive. It gets very expensive. And they serve all sectors, right? And what we did was we said, well, hang on. Why don't we start from scratch and build a platform? We call it a retail operations platform that is built for purpose for one sector and is not customizable. In other words, you can't go in there and write scripts on it. You can obviously use an API for our more technical-minded customers. And therefore, you can configure it very quickly. And the proof of the pudding is if, if say, a customer of mine I was, I was talking to uh, recently, they onboarded to the platform. They're, they're, they're sort of mid-sized. They're doing about $7 million a year across um, 20 countries, they've got about six channels, 
and they were able to move off a legacy system on board to ours in just under 70 just under 70 days that's calendar days which might sound like a lot but when you're moving the whole back office onto a cloud system if you were to go to a corporate that would take you about 180 to 250 days and obviously as you said is much much more expensive so they had to be willing to make trade-offs Correct. What my experience, and again, this goes back to uh, the industry I was in, which in the newspaper industry, we were fierce competitors until we, the mm-hmm. bus- until you know Craigslist ate the uh, ate our business, you know, it ate our profits, mm-hmm. right? Then all of a sudden, we'd partner with anybody. Everybody was a partner mm-hmm. of right? All the all the absolutes, all the things that we wouldn't do, were all out the window. It's like, yeah, we could do that. We could do that, right? We were we were much more yeah. willing. Is that what you're seeing for from companies saying, look, in order for us to to remain, you know competitive. Uh, we need to be quicker. And so therefore, we don't need to have all that unique one-off exception stuff, right? Is that, is that sure. fair? Yeah, that, that's exactly it. And, and, and the real world is it's a factor of <clears throat> huge change and very fast change. And for a merchant, that might mean price changing in a certain market, different products needed to be launched in another market, a change from maybe direct to consumer from B2B. Whatever it is, there's a huge myriad of challenges that a merchant faces today. And they, they need a system that allows them to support that change without having to go to a company and ask for new scripts or engineering time. So it's got to be highly configurable. And that, that's where we uh, offer a lot of value to our customers because we're a hybrid platform. So what I mean by that is we allow customers to obviously do direct to consumer, but also B2B. And we're very configurable. So you just go in and you decide you know, for example, what your um, uh, trading thresholds are going to be on Amazon in Germany versus Amazon in America. You might have the same product with different SKUs. You set it all up. You have your margin targets. You set it all up. And the absolute goal is to have an environment where you are not touching orders as they are received, that you are processing them right through to the warehouse where they are dispatched, whether it's you or whether you're using something like Fulfilled by Amazon or a 3PL, whatever it is for, for getting your product out to your customers. But you want to be able to do that all automatically. And it's, it's essentially, the term is managed by exception, which means, say, if you have 1,000 orders in an, in, in an hour, you want 998 of them to be processed automatically and for you to recognize the cash, take the payments, do all of that automatically. But maybe two orders came in and were flagged for potential fraud or Maybe if it's a B2B deal and the system has identified that they're over their credit limit and it needs to be reviewed by maybe the accounts department. And, and, and that's, what, uh, that's what customers want. They, they don't want to be reviewing all the orders because, as you know, that just kills margin every time you have a customer or sorry, a, a member of staff look at an order. So. So what you're describing, you know, and, and I always remember this reading uh, the uh, Jeff Bezos book, that anytime a customer calls, anytime somebody has to get involved in something, touch something, mm-hmm. it's a failure. Mm-hmm. They always saw that as a failure. Um, it's Massive. not right. It's just there is a cost. And you could sit there and say, well, it only takes me a minute, Derek. I mean, come <clears> on. Right. What's the big deal? Those minutes add up. Right. And, and if you're scaling, it's an enormous uh, it could be an enormous cost. And it's a place you make mistakes. Now, I know you're going to find this hard to believe. I do make mistakes. Um, and so therefore, uh, if human intervention is involved, the, the possibility for mistake is greater, correct? Co- completely correct. We did a, um, a survey of uh, 4,000 
consumers and 200 uh, merchants in the US. And we were looking to understand what was the cause of uh, uh, customer dissatisfaction uh, around negative reviews in particular, when people were getting you know, two stars or three stars. And we, we, we actually mapped out all of the phrases that were used in those reviews. And we built a picture where it was pretty obvious that you saw things like, I got the wrong product, or the shipping time was wrong, or they sent it to the wrong address. It's usually errors, right? And as you say, when customers get a product, or sorry, when merchants get the right product, and then they enjoy success, the next challenge they have to overcome is to ensure that they have a very high, very low level of errors because errors directly impact customer reviews. And we also found out, uh, well, sort of quantified in the, in the survey that the difference on revenue was a whole um, 30%. So clients who were managing to get five stars on their customer reviews on a 90% basis were making 30% more revenue as opposed to those ones that were doing um, three stars. So it's a huge impact on customer satisfaction, which as we all know, uh, impacts directly the bottom line and lifetime value from those customers because you want them coming back to the second time because it's very expensive to serve customers the first time. You need them back to, to get them profitable. The other thing now, and I want to go into, because uh, you guys have done a really good job identifying, the, I, again, I call it touch points, the steps um, in, in taking an order, right, in selling something. And I, I want to go through mm-hmm. each one of those and how we can reduce that. But the other thing that your software does, which is surprising to me, is the accounting side. Now, uh, my listeners yeah. would know that I'm the former reformed accountant. Uh, so I'm intrigued at what, why did you decide to add that <clears throat> in um, it, are you solving two problems at once? Is that kind of the concept? Well, it, it, it's, it's directly linked to that um, uh, error point that you made earlier on and the other fact that the number of sales channels, both on the buy side and the sell side, is getting more and more complex and will probably continue to do so and is varied. So because of that, the founder of Brightbrow <clears throat> was a, um, and he started the company 11 years ago. I joined th- just over three years ago. And the reason I joined was because from day one, he built the system to have automated accounting, which is essentially uh, um, as orders are placed or taken, there is a journal created with the necessary adjustments. And that essentially creates a, uh, the, the client's um, accounts for that business. And for larger customers, um, so we, we have customers that are doing maybe 50, 60 million, and they might be divisions of um, uh, much, much larger companies that have maybe SAP in, the, in, in, in headquarters. We just work as a sub-ledger to that general ledger. And, and in both those use cases, the key goal is to ensure that we reduce time and error rates within the reconcilia- reconciliation tasks that occur when you're buying and selling. We try and automate it, <clears throat> and we do automate it, and that's the power of uh, of Bright Pearl in terms of the daily benefit to a to a finance department or a CFO. Um, but we don't do things like payroll, so we're not a fully, you know, a, a, we're not a generic accounting solution. We're built specifically for merchants online, uh, and obviously those who have stores and those who want to do things like payroll can plug in easily or we can plug in as i said from a, a behave like a sub ledger to their general ledger if that makes sense oh it makes sense okay. but it's it, the payroll part's easy right most people use a service <clears throat> or a company that stuff's Generic easy size. the yeah. the the challenge is inventory cost of goods is one of the hardest 
things for people to get. Yeah, it's just one of the hardest things for people to get. And there's so many moving pieces. You're selling thousands of widgets, probably, you know, 12, 15, 30, or some of the some of the people that listen to this would be selling thousands of products a year, unique Mm -hmm. products. And Mm -hmm. sometimes the same product costs you know, they buy it at seven different places and then they have tax <coughs> issues or sales tax included or not included. And then they got returns. Then they have, they're selling on uh, Walmart and they're selling on Amazon. They're selling on eBay and all those yeah. different, they have their own Shopify store. It gets yeah. complex. That's where it's complex. Yeah. Payroll. Derek, how many hours yeah, you work this week? Boom. Here's yeah. your pay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. The rest and, and, challenging. Yeah. And, and like, for example, our, our software, obviously incorporates cost of goods sold for all products that are listed or, you know, within, within the system. And that's really, really important because it drives our customers' decisions around pricing. Because as you know, pricing varies uh, enormously depending upon the chosen go-to-market model within the channel that they're choosing to, to drive, whether it's Amazon or eBay or a specific marketplace or whatever. So um, the founder of Bright Pearl built all that in from day one. And all we've been doing is just essentially layering in a whole suite of automation rules on top of that because he built the workflow if you like uh, to run accounts that are created automatically as our clients trade across those channels but now the the next part of the uh, uh, challenge is to light up that concept of management by exception at the account level so that's having automation rules so that most orders are processed through and you manage by exception which is what we do today so we have a very powerful automation rule uh, engine, if you like, where clients during setup um, with our professional services t- team, we will um, uh, ask them what their strategies are, and then we just configure the system accordingly. And if they want to change that as they're uh, going on with trade and growth, it's a very simple process to set up new automation rules and then obviously report on that and manage by exception. And, but it's and, a big issue. Oh, it's a big issue. And and I'm going to make sure I'm correct on this. And the way I read this, you, I could have multiple ways of handling um, uh, sales methods within my channel. So, for example, I'm selling on Amazon, I'm selling FBA, I'm selling Merchant Fulfill, and I'm drop shipping. All three of those can be managed through the software, correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right. And then all three of those have uh, a different concept. Of, right, well, they're unique. Concept, but yeah, exactly, right. exactly. And they have their own unique cost of goods sold. So, um, well, yeah. does that help then? Uh, sorry, does that help client? You might make my mind think. Wait, you're talking accounting. I mean, there. I mean, this is exciting for this me. Is, I mean, this, this is, is dangerous. Like, I'm, a, this I, I'm originally a chemist, and I'm talking to an accountant. Oh, I get excited about this. Play. All the nerds are out there are like, yeah, I get this stuff. But but it's seriously it it. But this could take uh, somebody who's who's just doing FBA, for example, and a fulfillment by Amazon, and they want to add drop shipping. This gives them the ability to do that. I think that's the thing when you're looking at your business. What you know, we use QuickBooks. It does not allow me to sell additional things. I mean, it, it handles mm-hmm. our accounting, right? It handles our taxes and you know that kind mm-hmm. of jazz. But it doesn't allow me to grow our business. What you're describing with inventory management is you're saying, Steve, hey, you're selling <coughs> FBA. You could add drop shipping, and this tool will allow you to do that. That's a revenue enhancement tool. Co- correct. I mean, our, a lot of our customers will use our platform to experiment uh, in sales channels or countries and territories. Um, because, you know, for example, you could set up an Amazon channel in uh, Germany if you're a U.S. company and you decide to sell your product through that channel in Germany. The setup time for Amazon with all of the corresponding accounting changes is about 
three to four minutes within the software and you can be <laughs> up and running on Amazon. So it's, 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 it's designed to be flexible with regard to the pressures in modern, for modern merchants, which is sales channels come and go and they change in terms of their relevance and their cost models change. Cause that's the other thing that clients uh, are very keen to work with us on. And we do, you know, um, Amazon and, and other channels are continually changing their rates, point of sale providers, payment providers, you know, you need to be able to have flexibility and move your strategies in the sales channels, but also on the payment side as well, because we have an integrated payment engine, which which we don't take a commission on, by the way. We just allow customers choice because we say, you know, you need to have choice in this area because that that's my business model is to is to support choice um, and access to a single system rather than trying to nickel and dime our clients. And again, that's one of the, the smart moves, again, is you're you're niche down and you're saying, Hey, we're fixing this segment. We're not all things to all people. And you're not offering me a lot of customization because to be fair, best practice would tell you that this is probably 99% of the businesses, right? Uh, the exception ones have to go off and get custom stuff, right? I mean, I think that that logic plays through, correct? Correct. The jobs of work and the workflows that are needed to support the channels that we've been chatting about they're pretty consistent uh, in terms of you need something that's very solid that not only presents the uh, minimum opportunity for humans to create error, but also gives you clean, timely, and accurate data so you can make decisions within your business. And that's what we're focused on. Because when you customize a system and you allow people to script or make changes specific to a client because someone thinks it's a good idea, you actually corrupt the data. 100%. And, hmm. and, 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 and as we know, the nirvana of machine learning or, or, or um, assisted decisions or whatever you want to call it, all of that doesn't work unless you've got clean data. So we're very focused on a single system that produces timely, accurate, and complete data. That's why we have our own distributed order management, inventory management, integrated accounting, warehouse management solution, and a point of sale, all with one, uh, it's all on one platform. It actually runs on, um, uh, um, on Amazon, AWS, and, and, and that's really what we're focused on, because if you're not data driven as a merchant, you're going to have a challenge because you're not going to be able to protect your margin because you're going to have to have people touch orders. And when you do that, you're losing uh, competitive advantage. And yeah, you, you know that story. Well, the other thing that people need to hear is that institutional knowledge. So when you do that customization for that customer and Steve handles that when Steve leaves and Steve will leave. Uh, mm-hmm. At some point, he, Steve has options today, right? There's in my town, mm-hmm. you can, there are zillion options. Um, mm-hmm. That knowledge leaves with it, with Steve. And so you don't want to customize that stuff because anybody can just drop in, pick up right where Steve left off because it's exactly standard. Everything's done the same way. There's no deviation. Yeah. That's powerful. It, it, it is. And the, the other reality of the world today it, for a merchant is attrition rate is very, very high uh, for merchants who are running their own warehouse or uh, even running their own sort of sales channel online virtual uh, go-to-market approach. Attrition within merchants, in another survey we did, uh, it was about two years ago, granted, but it's very high. It's about 28%, 28-30%. So, you, you know, that's a lot of staff coming in and out. And it always amazes me when I meet with merchants and I say, so what's your staff training playbook? Because if you have invested money in systems like a Bright Pearl, you know, it still needs uh, uh, a certified training program. You have to have an, an ability 
to get people in and very quickly get to understand all the processes you're running, understand the playbook, if I could use that term, and then and then go from there. Because if you don't do that, you've got that attrition point. And then if you've got a, a configurable system where you're doing lots of scripting uh, through customization, that problem, to your point, gets even worse. So that's a huge challenge for small, mid-size, and even large uh, retailers. I'm, I'm always amazed how many people I meet who are in the on our customer side, and I say, so, so tell me about your training plan uh, in, in terms of the workflows that you want to automate. And, and, and it usually results in, a, in an interesting discussion, which we obviously help them with. Um, well, yeah, they, they basically sketch one out on the napkin and say, yeah, here it is. <laughs> this is yeah, it. Ex- I'm going to get to it. Derek, it's yeah. going to happen. <laughs> yeah, to- totally. And so, hmm. so I think in this world is what, I, my, what I'm saying is the software is not, is not the whole solution. It's amazing how much focus needs to be put on. Once you've chosen your tech stack, if you like, and you've chosen a platform like BrightPro, you've got to really focus on how am I training my people to get the best out of it? Because uh, if you don't, you know, it, you're, you're, not, you're not getting good uh, return um, and you're not utilizing the platform because you haven't you're trained your people to do that. And, and my recommendation to people is find a system that works and adapt to that rather than creating your own. Somebody, somebody uh, you guys, oh, yeah. I, I like this. After years of discussing workflows with retailers from all industries using different business softwares and operating methods, we've drawn up an overview of typical order workflow. When I read through this, that's it. Now, we might use yeah. different terms. We might use different, oh, well, we, well we, we call it this. We don't do quality checking. We look to make sure it's right. Okay, yeah. that's the same thing. But anyway, so you've already done that. So just adapt to it, and then you don't have to think about it. You can take yourself out of that picture. Well, let's walk through that, because I think what's interesting to me is these 10 steps, I don't think people realize how many steps there are. We do a lot of Merchant Fulfill out of our warehouse so mm-hmm. every one of these are pain points in our business. <laughs> every oh, one yeah. of these, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so let's walk through these, okay? Um, creating the order, right? So that's where we're going to start. So there's, uh, and, and I'm going to go, it's at brightpearl.com. Um, there are blog posts there, and this is a really good one um, that I like uh, because it's automating your e-commerce orders. I think every single person has to be looking at automation in some form, reducing mm-hmm. your touch points. Every time you touch something, there's a cost. It means you're not mm-hmm. doing something else or somebody else isn't, or you can make a mistake. So let's walk mm-hmm. through these. So uh, there's a guide that comes along with this that you can sign up and get. I think you can get it for free, correct? Get one for free. Uh, there's a guide here um, that you can oh, get. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, yeah, but I just want to want to touch through some of these things. So if you could walk me through them, um, I could read them off, or if you want to start with it, whatever I, you I, You've caught me out there because I haven't okay. looked at them. No, that's okay. Uh, I'll do it. But if you read them out, I'll comment on Yeah. Them. So we're going to create the order, okay? So mm-hmm. let's talk about creating the order. Uh, where, right? I mean, that's really where it starts. Yeah, so, so if we talk through... Uh, D2C, so direct to consumer, the consumer's online and they are interacting with your website. Maybe you're using a platform like Big Commerce or Shopify or Magento. Once the order is captured within that form, all of the details of that order need to be immediately and in real time uh, checked uh, against your inventory, as you said earlier on, to ensure that it's available, right? And because you don't want to get into the situation where you've got people ordering in different channels at the same time and you are saying that a product is available when it's not. So the key thing about the order placement is to ensure that there's a real-time connection between the e-commerce platform that you're using and your back office solution. And that's why we 
invested in our own technology to integrate with the Shopify, Shopify Plus, Big Commerce, Magento to ensure that real-time sync happens. Because if we don't do that, then customers can get themselves into a situation, especially during peak periods, where people start ordering things um, and those products are stated to be available when in actual fact they're not. So real-time, timely, accurate, complete data again at that point of order is vital. And, um, and then behind that, the other nuance that exists is you might be using different shipping methodologies, uh, you might be doing different fulfillment, and you need a system that can allocate the correct, uh, you know, the most advantageous shipping method, whereby you're getting the best price, maybe you know that a product is in a certain geographical area, um, and also for any third-party providers that you're using. So there's the there's the is the stock available, and then is the fulfillment of it, is the fulfillment option for you the one that's going to give you the best margin and the fastest delivery time for the customer. So you have to have that piece nailed, and and we put a lot of work into into doing that, and, and that's just on direct consumer. Obviously, if it's a B two B, if it's another business ordering stock for me, that's a different thing. That's more involved, more credit checking, and that's a different uh, a different use case, but also supported. It's also supported. <laughs> that's what I think. So if you and, do that, there are some people that now have their own private label brand, and they're now getting into selling to uh, other uh, sellers, other Amazon mm-hmm. sellers, or other e-commerce sellers in general, or um, maybe even a brick and mortar. Those rules can be addressed in there, and the the yes. reserving of inventory, which is critical, right? To saying, hey, that inventory's you know taken out because it's already accounted for. Steve's buying that, right? Correct. And then, and then obviously the flip side of it is you also have to have an eye on the re- reverse logistics side of it. So obviously a lot of customers today, in particular the younger types, they like to return product or maybe perpetrate some insta-fraud. No, no. And, and never all seen that. that. And you need to make sure that you can activate reverse logistics and more importantly, account for that correctly from an accounts perspective in real time. That's really important to ensure that you, you, you don't get caught off trap. So that's that's one area, but then obviously there's the physical aspect. So we have to have a, we do have an integrated point of sale, um, which uh, also uh, is used by our customers, both obviously in bricks and mortar, but also at shows or events. It needs to work in offline and in online, and you have to have a clever system that is able to reconcile the available stock. Um, so, for example, if you're going to go to a trade show you know it's going to be uh, out in the middle of nowhere. Maybe you're selling auto parts and you're going to a, a, big, a big show when there's no Wi-Fi or connectivity. You need to be able to set up what we would call a virtual warehouse, allocate products in there based on what you think you're going to sell, and then you go to the store, and, and then that virtual warehouse will then be used to support that particular event. And then when you get back to the office, you would just shut that down, and all the orders would just flow through anyway once you connect back up to Wi-Fi. So there's the other aspect of ordering um, and the complexity that you need to be aware of or get a system like Bright Pearl to manage for you when you're doing things like trade shows or you're doing bricks and mortar because obviously that's the other side of the equation rather than just online. I, I sit here thinking about the size of the accounting staff it would take to try to do this, you know, 10 years ago by hand. You know what I mean? Or, you know. Impossible. Yeah, it was it was massive. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, no, it's impossible. But that, that that's why we've seen so many merchants grow. Yeah. Uh, so quickly. And so many merchants not grow. How many, I mean, I don't know how the UK is, but in the US, the retailers that are closing down because of inventory, right? Poor inventory management. I think of yeah. Toys R Us, for example, right? Amazing yeah. story. 
that should be still here, right? Everybody's still buying <clears> toys. <throat> My grandkids want toys. They expect toys this year. But their poor inventory management, their their bad buying, their bad everything, their e-commerce yeah. was terrible. They're out of yeah. business. They literally closed. I mean, have you seen that in the UK right. too? Oh, we, we've seen all uh, businesses that, you know, I think there's another one over here. The example is um, uh, Mother Care, I think the company was called, and they did sort of products for expected mothers like prams and baby products. They were huge 10 years ago, and they just went bust last year for exactly the same reason. Hmm. Um, but yeah, when we look at our customer base, we have clients that have grown, you know, in the hundreds of percent by offering really good customer service online, big range of products, and just nailing the inventory challenge using tech like, like BrightPro. Um, and then the other, the other aspect of accurate inventory, which I think is important, is being able to have a system that is recording what your uh, order profile is looking like and then giving very factual, good recommendations to your merchandising team or your buying team to uh, place your orders for you know, the next period. So we, 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 are, we have integrated um, inventory. It's basically called Demand Planner. It's, uh, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an inventory uh, forecasting tool with regard to what you need to order. And that's the other side of margin erosion because if you order incorrectly after a big busy sales period, you can really, uh, you can really tie up a lot of cash and, and, and lose your efficiency edge. I bought a uh, a company that that sold electronics. I bought almost all their inventory, and the owner, when he went out of business, the owner said that it was his employees kept buying inventory that they didn't need at the wrong time, and it just and I ended up buying all that inventory. And I'm thinking to yeah. myself, is that their fault or is it your fault as the leader? I mean, is that really, or did he not have the right people in place to be able to help? You know, him help him understand it. Um, when you, when you're talking about customers, um, does it also, does the software do uh, um, customer service management at all? I mean, is there, am I able to track customers and capture yes. info? Yes. So once again, the founder who, who was a, a trader himself and a technologist, he realized that he needed to have uh, integrated accounting, but also have at the data level, everything built around a customer and a customer ID which is slightly different for direct-to-consumer as it is to B2B. I won't get into that, but there's a lot of complexity there. But um, yes is the answer to the question. So we, we uh, are able to allow our customers to identify, for example, the least profitable customer or um, customers who are serial returners or you know, there's a whole bunch of uh, reports that people want uh, relative to the customer type and how much lifetime value they're, they're, they're deriving from those customers. And they use that to then run sophisticated marketing campaigns against using that data. And that's where I stop. So all I do is link all orders to customer IDs and run reports off that linked with the financial information on the buy and sell side. Then I stop. And if you want to run, you know, uh, comprehensive integrated marketing campaigns, you buy something like Clavio and plug that into Brightpearl. And we have a pre-integrated connector for that. So, you know, you just set it up and then off you go. Our focus, once again, is on the timely, accurate, complete data as it pertains to the customers and all of their history and the cost of you servicing that customer, which, which for me, uh, is, is, is the really important piece. Yeah. yeah that, but the ability to plug in really makes it make sense. Okay. All right. Yeah. So now we've, we've gotten that inventory accounted for, right? We're, we're, we, we made sales. We don't know anything yeah. else, right? We made sales on 
lots of different places, right? And what, what, if you think of your, your, your best user, how many channels do they sell on? Oh my God. Um, my best user. Yeah. The one who's uh, really squeezing you guys using every bit of <clears throat> juice you give them. <laughs> well, it's sort of, two, there's two profiles I have. I have customers that use a lot of sales channels <clears throat> to sort of sell a lot of volume, a lot of volume, but at low margin. And then I've got customers that very much focus on one or two channels, but many markets and become experts at customizing that strategy in those markets for that particular channel. So they're the two flows. So to answer your question, um, you know, someone might be selling, I'm just thinking of a, a hydroponic company that provide the cannabis market and uh, they operate on, I think it's 26 channels. <laughs> um, and they run obviously Bright Pearl. They are doing trade sales. They're now opening up another company, so multi-company, which uh, basically means another another uh, account. And we don't do integrated accounting for multi-company. We have a solution, but that's something where you get into big company corporate world. We're very much focused on one account, all of the data for that account and company. But we do have customers that now are coming to us and say, hey, Derek, I want four companies running on Bright Pro. Not a problem. But we don't do multi-company accounting at this at this stage. So that's something that I'm looking at for next year. Hmm. So 26 channels. 26 be, channels. And yeah. and but you also have customers because I think people are going to be like, well, that's too big for me. I'm th- I can't relate to that. But you also have small, single, maybe just Amazon sellers, correct? We do, we do, and 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 m- there's there's very few of our customers that are trading less than a million dollars in GMV. Um, and that actually was a change that I introduced when I joined because Bright Pearl evolved by having a self-service integrated platform for anyone. You could just buy it for $20 a month and set it up yourself. But the cost of support and the huge amount of complexity that arises from dealing with that number of customers, trying to figure out what you're going to build to be able to service everyone, it didn't work for Bright Pearl in its early days. And I came in with a view of doing a review of the tech and mapping it to uh, a segment in the market that would most uh, get the most value out of that technology and would uh, put us in a position where we would really focus our resources. And you know, we do six releases a month into the product. Wow. And we need to make sure that those six releases apply to everyone. So we're very focused on the 1 million to 100, 150 million cohort. And every year that gets bigger as the platform evolves. So, so when, I, when I, that makes sense. Well, no, it makes perfect sense. So it's, it, again, it's that company that's really committed to building that brand or building that business. And they're trying, they, they've scaled. They don't want to add a giant staff. Maybe they were a one or two person operation. Now they're, they're at that place where they now need to deal with these real big, big boy issues, if we will. Um, Correct. And so, yeah. Correct. We we have two types of customers. We've we've got large international companies that the teams realize that they can't leverage the legacy ERP solutions to compete, and they come to us and we plug into their HQ's accounting department and they use Brightpearl as a subledger and all of the features we talked about earlier. So we've got quite a lot of customers that that do that. Um, so brands like Yeti or Stance in 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 Europe would would would. You know, obviously, they're larger global companies, but they would use our platform in Europe for that purposes. And, and 
that's one profile of customer. And then the other one, uh, we, we look for merchants that have got the product market fit story right. They're enjoying high levels of growth and they're looking for expansion. You know, we've got a one, two, three million dollar business. How do I get to 10 million with the same level of margin performance uh, uh, along that journey? And that, that's where we come in because as you said, the world gets a little bit more complex, probably beyond a million or, or beyond sort of 5,000 SKUs um, or maybe beyond uh, 10x, sorry, 10 suppliers per SKU, whatever your model is, then then you need a system like Briber because otherwise you're back into the, the world of having to hire a techie to manage all these disparate systems because there's tons of systems out there for inventory management, for pause, for accounting, for forecasting. And, uh, you know, it's a good cheap way of doing that if you're starting out the business. You definitely would put all those apps together and you'll get there. But then to scale is where is where you need a platform like like Bripro. Otherwise, it's a margin eater. I mean, it is definitely it's you, a margin it's, eater. You're okay. going to lose. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's talk about fulfilling the order. So, you know, like I'm thinking of one of the big clients that we have in our warehouse. They're using a company called ShipStation. Um, yeah. that, that integrates uh, with Amazon, with Shopify, with a couple other things. How about with yeah. you guys? What works with Bright Pearl? Yeah, ShipStation works with Bright Pearl. Um, you're either going to, so if you're using an e-commerce platform and you're just got that e-commerce platform and you're, say, just selling online and you're not really selling on multiple channels, you can plug it directly into a shipping provider. Um, if you've got a lot of channels and you're serving a lot of markets, and you need to plug in the, uh, the shipping provider into the omni-channel platform, in other words, the back office, we obviously uh, support that. So we work with a whole range of shipping providers uh, and have pre-integrations with that. And, uh, and we're just looking at the uh, viability of allowing customers to print labels or arrange the printing of labels from within the, uh, the distributed order management solution. But to answer your question, we integrate pretty much the same as all the e-commerce platforms. It just depends on what the customer wants. If they want to integrate with big commerce or use their shipping, that's fine. If they want to use Shopify's, that's fine. Ship stations, there's a whole bunch uh, of providers out there. Uh, but we, we've just built the integration points to those guys. Right. Again, uh, you're in your lane. You're staying in your lane. Um, I am not a shipping provider. Yeah, no, I get it. And, and, and here's the problem. When you look for that all-encompassing solution, they're usually really good at this or they're really good at that. And that's how you end up with all this customization. And you're saying, no, yeah. this is our lane. We're staying in it. Um, yeah. I think this next one's really important, updating the order status, because I think if there's a place that I see a lot of failure is communication with customers. And we're yeah. guilty of it. We're guilty of it sometimes. So the customer's like, hey, we never knew. We never got an update with the order. And then there's a failure. If they have to call <laughs> us, I got to pay somebody to take that call and handle it. So there's a cost. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and there's nothing more annoying to a customer that they get on your site and they go through all the process, they pick the product, they get to the order page, they might even get to the payment page, and then <clears throat> all of a sudden uh, it flops up to say, oh, this thing is not available, mm -hmm. or it's not two days of delivery, it's 10 days or, or, or whatever. And that creates a lot of frustration with customers and, and it can result with a lot of um, uh, abandonment of, of the process. So the, the importance of having connectors between your back office and your front office that's just the way i would describe it your e-commerce platform to your to your back office ops platform is you got to have connectors that are validated as being real time and you have to have that if you want to avoid that that type of uh, 
situation that's really really important hmm. all right we moved on we uh well we're packing the shipment we understand that we're going to determine the shipping method and printing yeah. the label hence again that's where like we use ship station and we can immediately you know based on profiles immediately know what the best way to do it updating the customer though i think that's an important one because it's not just saying hey derek bought this there's more mm -hmm. to it than that right again right yeah, yeah go ahead talk about that yeah, so for example, customers like to be informed as to the state of their order in the particular phase of the journey from the order to them receiving the product. So Brightburl has to support that. And because we're an integrated system with, a, with our own warehousing solution, and we, we obviously support other warehousing solutions, um, we ensure that the feedback loop on the comms goes back to the customer. So for example, when the order is dispatched from the warehouse or maybe from a 3PL or FBA, that that is automatically routed through and back out to the e-commerce platform and then message directly through to the customer. Or you could set it up directly from uh, the back office and say if someone's ordered it from Amazon, you can configure it so that they get the message from ABC Trading. Hey, Mr. Customer, thanks for your order. You'd be glad to know it's just being dispatched uh, and we'll be with you on X. So that whole feedback loop, if you like, on getting customers up to date because if you don't keep them up to date, they'll start hitting the phones. And then once again, you're in a position of margin erosion. Mm. You know, people having to talk to people, you don't want that. So I don't like talking to, to people. Do you like talking to anybody anymore? I love talking to people actually because I keep on I keep on learning about this fast. No, I mean, I, all right. Let me say it that way. I don't like talking to customer service. Press one for this department. Press two, oh, and then you or say two. Say hey, no, nobody likes that stuff. And anytime you do that again, as Amazon's model is, that's a fail. All right, final yeah. final one on this one is updating accounts. And I'm assuming the accountant in me is getting a little excited. You're talking about the general ledgers, right? In the inventory, uh, uh, the inventory accounts, correct? Correct. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, and they're all automatically created. So whenever there's an order, whenever an order is um, taken and processed and the quote to cash process is finished, then the journals will be created within the system automatically. And then those journals are available for uh, future auditing, reporting, whatever it is. Profitability the, analysis? Profitability analysis, Ooh. cash flow, um, whatever it is you specifically uh, um, set up and um, that's really important that sort of obviously visibility in real time on what's profitable what's not uh, and what your costs are so that's that's there in in pretty much real time um, unless you know you do a trade show and the, the iPads are offline for for 12 hours or something that would be the only use case in in what you're seeing out there, and and I so well, let me let me qualify this a second. First off, in this guide, again, this guide's free. They give it to you. Um, those steps, I think, any business, I don't care how what size they are, they're not doing a million dollars yet. They're sitting there. They should take these things and walk through their process. Every one of these in this and and document their process because I think then you can sit there and say, hmm. I don't do this, or I do do this, I have an automated way of doing it. Great. You don't concentrate on that. Concentrate on the ones that are not automated, <clears throat> and you could start, as you said earlier, piecing your own system together, and then once you want to scale to a much larger, then you look for an all-encompassing <clears throat> one. So I think this is a great place to start. When you're looking at the omni-channel seller, the, the ones that are seeing the growth, <clears throat> what, what are they doing right? Um, you know, you're describing people that are selling you know, 26 channels, including trade shows. And I mean, is that really what you're seeing the, the private label brands starting to do 
right? Is this selling it across all these different places? Yeah, it, it's um, um, it's direct to consumer. So people who have got their own brands are um, are providing a a sector, a service. So automotive parts or hydroponics or something like that, where you it's a single place you go to and you get you know all the DIY tools that you would need. <clears throat> so there's there's two there's two areas of focus: people with their own brand or people who are just serving a vertical. And um, they're the companies that we see that really are nailing the um, the sort of centralized repository of data and they can in real time see the performance of their channels and more importantly make the right decisions mm. with regard to drop shipping uh, distribution shipping costs whatever they're they're the ones that are just killing it um, you know own brands and people who are serving sectors the guys who are selling a lot of products and stacking a high and using pricing algorithms on, I don't know, Amazon to, to, to always be the best price. They're, they're, they're in a continual sort of yeah. battle with, with Amazon and all of the tech that they use to sort of counter gaming within the platform uh, to ensure that their uh, advertising system is not, sorry, advertising revenue is not eroded. So those guys, I see more challenges. They're still growing because the, uh, erosion of the traditional sort of way right, of, of right the of market is, the, the yeah. online market's growing so they're still getting a piece of it but it's yeah. a diminishing piece because the when your only competitive advantage is price yeah so oh, i always say this you're, derek you're, somebody's got a bigger zero they add another zero to that check my price correct. is long gone <laughs> Co correct so it's about choice it's about um uh the the the, the customer experience and back to your point around getting merchants to think about, well, let's map out our workflows uh, that we're going to run on an operations basis. Step back from that and actually map out, you know, your desired state on the customer journeys you want people to have on your website or on Amazon or after they order the order. It's like a two-day workshop to get your team in a room, which sounds like a lot of time, but it's so well worth the time to do that. The customer experiences you want and then map out the workflows, maybe using our guide and then just identify the gaps and you can pretty much see exactly where your problems are. You don't need to buy a system like BrightPro to see that. Obviously, we would be hopefully part of the, the, the solution. But so many people just turn immediately. Let's just buy some tech. And then you, you, I go, well, talk to me about your workflows today. And they go, uh, well, we will I have a view or they'll talk to me for a half an hour, but nothing's documented. Hmm. The, 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 this is the, 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 the customers that are nailing that piece. And then using technology like Brightboard, they're the ones that are in the, you know, 100% growth margins off the charts and just, just taking market share. Love it. All right. Best way to get in touch with you if the people want to follow up. So it's brightpearl.com. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And again, there's a ton of resources and it's free, uh, that part of it. Um, yeah. But if somebody wants to follow up, what's the best way? I'll just email me, um, Derek.ocarroll uh, at brightpearl.com. And I will respond. Uh, two R's and two L's. Um, yeah. And yeah. I want to get that. Okay. So the way I end every episode um, is I always ask for how to get people past the point of stuck, right? You've been stuck. You've, you've worked in a lot of tech industries, right? You've, mm -hmm. you've gotten to that place. Uh, Bright Pearl's probably gotten stuck, right? Or people got stuck. Yeah. What's, what's the best advice that you would give somebody who gets to that place of stuck and how they push past it? Uh, be very clear on the difference between a symptom and a root cause. 
when you're looking at a problem. And what I mean by that is uh, when you go into a business like Bright Brothers, I did, which had its challenges, everyone has a point of view and everyone's very quick to surface up their uh, remediation or their solution. And it's very important that you go back to basics and build out a set of questions that are built around the customer and the desired state for the business and record what the current state is, but then map out what the symptoms are and then look working with the team to find the root cause. And that's hugely important for any type of business that's stuck or any problem that's being presented. Look at the data, look at the root cause, gather the symptoms, and then you'll have all of the three things to be able to triangulate a solution. And that's what we did at, at BrightPro when I, when I came in, which resulted in us moving up market, so to speak, to sell to bigger customers um, uh, with a different sort of monetization strategy, which has been now working really well for us. Love it. Thank you so much. I wish you nothing but success. Thank you. Pleasure to be with you. Cheers. Great guy. Um, I love the way they know their lane and they stay in their lane, not giving a million options because, quite frankly, you don't need them. What do you need? What is that? The 80 20 rule, right? You know, uh, 80% of your results come from 20% of your processes, right? Those are the ones you want to focus on. Or as he says, just do the exceptions. You know, let the rest, let 99% of your business operate smoothly without getting interference. And then just work on those exceptions, the ones that go wrong for whatever reason. Now, the smart person then mitigates why it went wrong, right? Get rid of some of that stuff, right? That's good management. And then that gets even easier. So I think it's really smart. Uh, smart guy, reach out to him um, if you have questions. But check out their website, uh, brightpearl.com and go through some of their blog posts. You're going to learn something and then map out your business and let me know how it goes. And if I can help you in any way, ecommercemomentum.com, ecommercemomentum.com. Take care. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce momentum podcast. All the links mentioned today can be found at ecommercemomentum.com under this episode number. Please remember to subscribe and like us on iTunes.